This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to some weekend listening on the Blood Red podcast channel. I'm Paul Wheelock and earlier this week I caught up with Steve Dawson, a Liverpool fan based in Singapore and presenter for Fox Sports Asia. And given one of his main roles is anchoring the station's Bundesliga coverage, I picked his brains on what's going wrong for Naby Keita, the change in Jurgen Klopp and how Borussia Dortmund have eventually moved on from him, the Champions League last 16 tie with Bayern Munich, those links to Timo Werner and why he would be the perfect addition for the Reds, and how Steve came to support Liverpool in the 70s and came to work on the other side of the world. I hope you enjoy our chat and we'll be speaking to Steve again before the first leg with Bayern at Anfield next month. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hi Steve, thank you very much for joining me on this podcast. It's about around 10 o'clock Singapore time I imagine. Yeah, about 10 to 10 in the evening here, lovely and warm, dark outside but uh, humid hot and uh, very enjoyable thank you you're making me feel jealous because on the day we were recording this Liverpool <laughs> has had snow but uh, I suppose it's typical for this time of year January, February time but uh, yeah we've got you on because you are a Liverpool supporter as well as being a presenter and anchor for Fox Sports Asia who, co- who covers the Bundesliga and uh, I suppose that leaves you expertly placed to talk about a number of issues uh, Liverpool supporters are interested in if that's okay mate Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we do the Bundesliga Saturday night and Sunday night. Um, we cover all the games, so that you, you don't necessarily get to look in depth at one particular game. But yeah, good, good, uh, broad knowledge of, of the league. We were into our fourth season now. We've got a five-year contract, and it's uh, it's good, entertaining stuff. They get fabulous crowds. There's lots of goals in the Bundesliga. Uh, it's a slightly slower pace than the, than the Premier League, but but good fun to watch. Yeah. Let's talk about a player who came from the Bundesliga to Liverpool in the summer. Naby Keita. There was there was so much expectation and hype surrounding his arrival at Anfield, and and part of me feels that he was always going to struggle to to live up to that. But so far, would it be fair to say it just hasn't worked out as well as everyone imagined? I think we'd all agree that, wouldn't we? I mean, there's a number of reasons. As I've listened to your previous podcast, especially recently, we've talked about how some of the games just seem to have passed him by and I I think that's quite accurate I'm not sure that it's a confidence thing one or two people have have mentioned that the other thing that people point to is is that he might be being played slightly out of position when he was with RB Leipzig particularly uh, a couple of seasons ago when they got promoted to the Bundesliga and and really did give Bayern Munich something of a good challenge they played a a pretty unorthodox four-two-two-two formation, uh, and he was in—he was in the the defensive line of two, with two sort of solid lines of two ahead of him. Um, and if anything, most of the time, he, he, although it was a central role, it had to be in that formation. He, he sort of played on the right-hand side. And um, when, when you look at the the two formations that Jurgen Klopp tends to play with Liverpool, four-three-three and, and four-two-three-one, there's not a natural fit. Um, for where he used to play with RB Leipzig. He's been deployed, as we all know, on, on the left-hand side quite a bit. And I'm very confident that if he's given a good enough run, he'll, he could make that position his own. I mean, I think we all saw how Jürgen took his time with Fabinho, and we're all good fans now, aren't we? Big yeah, fans of Fabinho and the role he's playing at the moment. Uh, and, if, and, and this is a good time of the year, I think, looking at the fixtures that are coming up. This is a good time of the year to, to give him a little run if, if Jürgen's going to continue to persist with him in that sort of left side of midfield. I suppose more more aptly in the 4-3-3 rather than the 
if he gets that run, I think he could. I think he could fit in and do a good job. It's just interesting what you're saying there in his position for Leipzig. So is he more defensive minded? Would you say when he was in Germany? Because maybe it was not his fault because there was that Coutinho void to fill. And I think a lot of people in the summer are thinking, well, he could be the number ten that Liverpool need. But do you think his long term, if if not on that left side for Liverpool, he, he may be further back the field. That's that's the position he played with Leipzig. There's two. There's sort of two dominant parts of his. The, the personality of his play, if you like. One is that when he gets the ball at his feet, he, he tends to want to burst forward with it. And, he, you know, he'll run between players. He's got good acceleration off the mark. And you want somebody to do that in a sort of central position because that's where an opportunity, can, I suppose, can be created within the space of a, a few moments. But he's also quite a robust character you know he's 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 not he's not a giant physically but he's he's muscular and he's he's athletic and he he can bounce through challenges he's also got that sort of ruggedness about his personality we've in the past we've all enjoyed the the graham sunes steve mcmahon type character i suppose to an extent maybe the the hendo character of today but he can fulfill that role he can be the enforcer um he certainly picks up or picked up his fair share of yellow and red cards when he was at Leipzig and one or two of them weren't particularly smart particularly towards the end of his his time at RB Leipzig where maybe in fairness his head was somewhere else but um, he, he can get stuck in and that's you know that's a role that's uh, that's been prominent over the years in the Premier League and, and, and could be a valuable one for him at Liverpool So all in all confidence he'll still come good and even if it's not this season you know, do you think he'll still prove to be a, a good buy for, for Jurgen Klopp and the club? But that's something we've seen, isn't it? That, that foreign players take a little bit of time to settle in uh, in the Premier League, and, and really, there's a, a quite a drastic change in place in pace, I should say, between the, the Bundesliga and the Premier League. If oh, you watch a Bundesliga game, it's it's noticeably slower. So, um, you know, to, to fit into the Bundesliga, I'm sure Jurgen Klopp is is willing to to give him time to settle in, just as he did with Fabinho and. I think if he gets that run of, run of games, whether it's this season or, as you say, perhaps even next season, if we can be patient enough, I'm, I'm quite sure we'll get a, a player who more than lives up to the price tag. You said there he's probably got the perfect manager in, Jurgen Klopp, in that regard, because he does give players time. Uh, and, and speaking of the boss, uh, how's what he's achieving with Liverpool, particularly this season, to think viewed in Germany? I imagine there's, there's a lot of reflective pride there about what he's, he's doing over here in the Premier League. Well, I think I think... I think everybody who comes across Jurgen Klopp's path, it, you know, everybody loves him. He's he's such a he's such a compelling character, isn't he? I mean, there's been a there's been a lot of changes in Germany since he left. Uh, Dortmund are a, a bit of an up and down team. There's no question they are the the number two club in Germany, but they haven't always lived up to um, the challenge of being the the solid the solid number two in the league. RB Leipzig were the team that finished runners up two seasons ago and they weren't particularly solid last year this season though Dortmund had been flying and perhaps this is the campaign where they feel that they can comfortably leave the Jurgen Klopp years behind them um, they are six points ahead of Bayern Munich at one time they were nine points ahead they're playing super football they've got several super young players and we're all fairly familiar I think at home with Jaden Sancho and uh, he's been a, a revelation for them. So, yeah, although I think Dortmund fans in particular will remember Jurgen Klopp very fondly, I think they've got quite a lot to be excited about in the present day as well. Definitely. Are we, are we seeing parallels, though, 
between what he did at Dortmund and, and what he's doing at Liverpool, you know, he at Dortmund said he built and built over the first couple of seasons and really exploded and then the trophies followed. Can you see what he's doing here on Merseyside following a similar path? I think we're we're lucky as a club, aren't we, that uh, over the years we've we've generally made um, appointments uh, within the club where we feel we can give managers a little bit of time. That's that's not always been the case, but I think Jurgen came with such a CV that it would have been silly to just discard him at the first sign of failure. He hasn't picked up a trophy. Uh, to some people, that's very very important. But the bigger picture is he's got within sniffing distance of, yeah. of collecting those trophies and and that, you know he's, he's a he's a personality who has his own style he's a manager who who believes very strongly in his own um his own brand of football and so it makes sense doesn't it to give him enough time to recruit the personnel and the team around him to make sure that that brand comes to fruition week in week out on the pitch and now we're seeing the dividends being paid now week after week it's a good time to be a fan isn't it you spoke about his style there do you think it's evolving I know when he first came onto the scene probably to like wider consciousness with Dortmund it was that heavy metal football you know pedal to the metal you know straight at teams but do you think he's, he's changing is he getting more mature as the years go on I was I was a, a little bit um, disappointed at the beginning of the season that that heavy metal style had ended you know 4-3-3 high press very energetic um work rate from the, the front three seemed to work very well and you just thought with Alisson and uh, Virgil van Dijk embedded at the back and, and you know Joe Gomez coming to the fore what a combination that is but you know he knows more about the game than I do that's clear that's very clear and and, and, and that sort of easing off slightly has been the sensible thing to do if you're going to play at a high level all season and get consistent results rather than you know being outstanding one week and then losing silly results to teams that we should be should be beating comfortably another week then a, a more consistent more uh, more sensible as you I think you said a more mature um, style was probably what was called for and uh, let's give him credit where I was a little bit disappointed at the beginning of the season his greater intelligence won out and, and there we are <laughs> he's doing so well now yeah. <laughs> yeah you mentioned it then there's some would point the finger that he's not yet to, he's yet to win a trophy at Liverpool, which he's, he most certainly did at Dortmund. Is everything pointing towards this though that him being a successful Liverpool manager, not in just in terms of what he's done to the club, but in terms of actually putting silverware on the table? Do you think it's only a matter of time, if not even if not this season? I think without question, it's only a matter of time. I mean, I think different Liverpool supporters look at things differently, don't they? Um, my my earliest memory was the 1974 FA Cup final. So I lived through the extreme glory years. And then having lived through that and then seen an extended period in the doldrums, I'm now in the position where I just want Liverpool to be entertaining and exciting for me yeah. deep into the season. So if we're getting to finals, if we're in contention for the title, at the end of the day, personally... I'm, I'm very happy with that. Of course, I want us to push on and, and lift that trophy and win the Premier League and, and win the Champions League. Of course, I do. But trophies per se, not particularly interesting to me. I know I enjoy listening to your podcast very much, and I know you seem to be split about the values of winning an FA Cup or a Carabao Cup. Yeah. Personally, 
personally, for me, the, the 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 whole point of winning a trophy is not that significant. I'm not that bothered about those two trophies. I desperately want to succeed in the Champions League as a long-time Liverpool fan and and in the Premier League. And I'm I'm quite happy to um, forego Carabao Cups, FA Cups, if we can give it our very very best in in the big two. And who's to say we we won't win one or both of them? I'm all up for it. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Speaking of the Champions League, it's a trophy that just evaded Jürgen at Dortmund, losing the 2013 final, if my memory serves correctly, to Bayern Munich, who Liverpool just so happened to play in the last 16 of this season's competition <laughs> next month. Uh, we are going to speak to you closer to the time about these uh, two massive matches, but there must be a huge anticipation in uh, in Germany in the Bundesliga about this. You know, Bayern and Liverpool, it's a proper European heavyweight showdown, this one, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, the one thing about this season, though, is that they can't, by earnest, is they can't concentrate fully on the Champions League. It is very much the holy grail for them. They've failed in recent times. And Karl-Heinz Rummenigge and Uli Hoeneß, I think, you, you know, reading between the lines, that is the big catch for them. Similarly, I suppose, to Manchester City in England. You know, that's, it's, the, it's the one thing that's, that's missing from their uh, trophy cabinet in recent times. And in, in recent years, I mean, they've won the Bundesliga on each of the last six occasions. And they've won it comfortably. So they've been able to throw all of their resources towards the Champions League. But now, six points behind Dortmund, um, they can't necessarily do that. They can't just uh, rest players and keep them for the Champions League games. They have to keep a full eye open on what's going on domestically. They've got a young coach, Niko Kovac, is only 37 years of age. He hasn't yet proved himself at the very top level. He had a super time uh, with Frankfurt, you know, super enough for... Karl-Heinz Rummenigge and Uli Hoeneß to recruit him but he had a very tough time in October and the early part of November and there was a period where we felt that it was just a matter of games if not days where he was going to get the sack he, he came through that to his credit they're now on a run of six consecutive wins uh, in the Bundesliga five just before their winter break and and um, last Friday away to Hoffenheim who were a handy side and, you know, to pick up three points there they won 3-1 was a very good result. So they're in a good place and they don't have tough games, Paul, between now and uh, the first leg at Anfield. They've got a fairly sort of cruisy ride in towards that. Um, There's no big domestic games for them to play. Um, But still, they have to focus on what's going on in the Bundesliga because any slip, the way Dortmund are going now, just means that that six-point gap can climb back to nine very easily. And then the longer you go through the season, the less likely it is that they can catch them up and they're just too used to winning the Bundesliga now yes, to, to let it go by. Of course, just we'll again we'll, we'll come back to this game closer to the time in the in the days leading up to it. But you know when the draw was made, not only is a a presenter and anchor of a, a massive TV station who covers the Bundesliga, but also as a Liverpool fan, what did you think of the draw? Were you happy secretly? You know, did you think it was a good draw for Liverpool? Oh, we were. I mean, there are a number of Liverpool fans um, working on on the Bundesliga show both in studio and in the control room and we were obviously talking about it beforehand and honestly we we were quite happy for Bayern Munich to be in the the group of teams that we'd be happy to get without question we didn't want Dortmund um, uh, because their you know their confidence is high and they're they're playing swashbuckling football I'm not saying it's any better than Liverpool's I think Liverpool are, are the strongest side but 
you know, if you can play a slightly weaker team, so much the better. And and there's been this crisis of confidence that they've had. It's an ageing side by Munich. They've certainly got a deep squad. They've got lots and lots of options. Um, but I don't know if Niko Kovac knows what his best side is yet. As you say, we'll talk about it perhaps here at the time. But um, I think it's a good time to play Bayern. And um, I've got every confidence that Liverpool will get past them, even without Van Dijk in the in the first leg. The comfort there is, I suppose, that he's not available for the Anfield leg, but he will be available for the game at the Allianz Arena, which is where you feel Bayern will put more pressure on us. Definitely. It is January after all, so uh, please let me indulge in a bit of transfer tittle-tattle, but uh, a player who's constantly been uh, linked to Liverpool over the last couple of years is uh, Timo Werner, the Germany striker. Uh, I suppose in the summer there's, there's got to be a possibility Jürgen will look to strengthen his front line because it, it looks like uh, Divock Origi's future is away from the club and, and Daniel Sturridge is out of contract. Uh, if, if, I know it's a big if, you know, he, Werner was someone Klopp was looking at. What kind of striker is he? Yeah, he's, I mean, good. <laughs> and he scores <laughs> goals as well. There's no, there's no question about that. He's, he's played 23 times for Germany already, and he's only 22. He'll be, he'll be 23 in March, I think. He scored nine goals for the national team already. I actually said on, on television as we were previewing the World Cup that I, I think he was a good bet for World Cup golden boot uh, that didn't quite come to pass because yeah. he scored a, a grand total of zero goals in that tournament <laughs> <laughs> I think that was more about the squad the Germany side rather yeah, than Timo Werner as an individual you know he's I mean he's come back after that World Cup and in all competitions he scored 14 goals in 21 games which is a good return and he doesn't get especially now that Naby Keita's gone he doesn't get quite the service that he would get in a Liverpool starting lineup. It, it reminds me very much of um, Sadio Mane in the way that he can pick up the ball and just run towards goal uh, at pace uh, and maybe encourage a foul in the box. Um, but he's, he's probably a better finisher than Sadio Mane. Um, I think also because he's young, Paul, he may well be content to to sort of sit on the uh, the outskirts of the of the side if he was signed yeah. for Liverpool. You know, I think it's a bit of a leap to suggest that he displace one of. Mane, Salah or Firmino but you know he, he'd certainly be more of a um, uh, a Jordan Shakiri in terms of the amount of times he plays and the, the occasions on which he finds himself in and around the starting lineup than say a Daniel Sturridge or a, or a Divock Origi yeah. I think he'd be a super squad player and because of his age you know he's, he's there hopefully for the long term and before long you know things change that they in the world of football before long he could be a, um, a sort of an automatic um, uh, name on the starting lineup. yeah I'd be a big fan of him coming along yeah it sounds all around perfect buy if, if, if it could come off because I think I think you've touched on it there you probably have to bring someone in who will be willing to uh, play not every game come off the bench here and there because it must be tough to, to be back up to Mo Salah mustn't it you know because you're not going to play every week <laughs> Well, it's 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 playing every week for RB Leipzig with the greatest of respect to them. Good side, um, challenging for Champions League football, or being in and around an elite squad at Liverpool. That's these days. I think we can. We're very proud to say, sort of, almost like a shoe in for Champions League football, if not for the, the trophy itself. I mean, you know, as as a footballer, as a young footballer who who has a good habit of scoring goals, that's the kind of environment you want to be in. A German player going to a club with a German manager, you know, it's it seems like the perfect mix for him. Um, 
we haven't heard anything concrete, as you well know, in the news linking him to Liverpool, but it seems like an automatic fit. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if, if come the summer, um, there the stories get stronger and stronger, and perhaps a move will be made. It was. It's only in the last forty-eight hours or so that um, the uh, the top brass at RB Leipzig have said he's not going anywhere for a few years. But we we all know very well that that doesn't necessarily mean very much. Most definitely. Just a bit about yourself. I think everyone's probably realised now that you are a big red, big Liverpool fan. But how have you come to end up working in Singapore? Because you used to live, didn't you, in in the city or near the city when you were younger? Yeah. That's right. Uh, I, I lived uh, in Liverpool for four or five years when I was um, well around around the nineteen seventy seven era when uh, Liverpool good time first good time to be Europe living. Being, it was a good time. It was a very good time. Um, came over uh, to um, to Singapore um, because I met a Singaporean and we got married. And uh, I've been here for twenty five years now. Both of my children have been been born here, and uh, you know I, I very much see this uh, as home now. Um, at the time, I came over as a, a chartered tax accountant, but wasn't the best accountant in the world, I must say. So uh, my, my love for sport uh, meant that I ended up uh, becoming a journalist. I was writing a lot about boxing on a freelance basis, and then I, I ended up uh, writing for the, the national newspaper here, doing quite a lot of sport. Then I, then I switched to television reporting, and I anchored the sports segment. Um, then I ended up with uh, ESPN. I presented Sports Centre, the sort of the uh, the nightly sports news show there and because of the, the way um, corporations merge and demerge we became Fox Sports we're probably likely to become ESPN again in the next six months so I ended up uh, moving into I did quite a bit of the Premier League but I, I, I'm now as I say in my fourth season presenting the Bundesliga to the entire Asian market and we also cover the Asian Champions League and sort of the Europa League equivalent here in Asia so uh, it's good fun. We get a, a good variety of football, and it's you know the the passion for the Premier League here is absolutely mad. You, you go out on. I mean, I travel all over Asia, and you can go on the streets of Singapore, Manila, Jakarta, Kuala Lumpur, uh, and, and all over China, and you'll you'll see Liverpool shirts yeah. all over the place. Sadly, you'll see your fair share of. Man United shirts as well, but uh, there's, uh, not not so much City or Chelsea. But you know, you, you, you're quite um, you know quite polarised on the fan base here, Man United and Liverpool. But there's a lot of love for Liverpool out here, which is which is borne out by the fact that you know every two three years you get a, a pre-season tour out here where you come to Singapore, to Kuala Lumpur, to Thailand on a, on a regular basis, and the stadiums are full. You know the the Raja Mangala Stadium in Bangkok is absolutely full to busting when Liverpool come, full of full of ties and expatriates from around the region. Um, most of them have got uh, Thai national team shirts on because that's usually who Liverpool end up playing. They play uh, the national team, but uh, they're all cheering every time Liverpool score because they're all they're all Liverpool fans. Greatly loved out here. Good stuff. Sounds a bit like a home from home for you then. <laughs> Yeah, wherever I go, and you can always get lots of intelligent conversation about it, which is uh, which is which is marvellous. Well, I've appreciated uh, your intelligent conversation, Steve, uh, about this. And we, as I say, anyone listening to this who's enjoyed it, we'll we'll have you back on uh, a few weeks' time before that first leg at Anfield for the uh, the Bayern Munich last sixteen game in the Champions League. Super Paul, good speaking to you. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.